Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also a keynote and TEDx speaker and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information regarding everything connected with wellness, rejuvenating, positive psychology, my own spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology. And it's also the place where you can recommend future guests for this podcast. As listeners know, we always have a terrific lineup of guests who both lead their lives enthusiastically themselves, as well as having messages to help us lead our lives enthusiastically and become the best versions of ourselves. We try and hit it from different angles, and we have a really special, unusual, and awesome guest with us today as we learn to lead our lives enthusiastically from a slightly different direction than than most of our guests. Our special guest is Empress, who is a former ballerina for the San Francisco Ballet, Broadway actress, pop singer, songwriter, and she's on a mission to inspire people to be the best versions of themselves, to be the rulers of their own lives. Empress indicated that when she was four years old, her life really changed when Her hands first touched the black and white keys on a keyboard of a piano. Her love of music evolved into a career as a professional dancer, and she was one of the youngest members of the San Francisco Ballet. After 11 years with the San Francisco Ballet, she moved to New York City, where she performed on Broadway as the lead in the Tony Award-winning production of An American in Paris. So some of you may have seen her on Broadway. Today, her career comes full circle as she creates music as a singer, songwriter, and she also has her own record label to support women in music. So some of our guests, you know, they're kind of interesting on their own. Some of our guests have important lessons to to teach us. And today's guest can do both. Really interested in hearing about her and really interested in hearing how she can help us to become who we are destined to become. So, Empress, it is such a thrill to have you on Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Welcome. We're really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Ron, for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, let me start out by, you know, you've got such an impressive background, and I probably didn't do it justice with that introduction. So did. I was thinking, who is that person? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do it, to do me one better and tell us a little bit about your journey, because, sure. you know, it's not the typical kind of self-help guest that, that we typically have on our show. Well, um, thank you for for making me feel so good about myself this early in the morning. Well, I uh, I guess I mean you you basically covered all the bases. Where I was a ballerina, I transitioned onto Broadway, and now I'm a pop singer, and you know helping people kind of 
helping empower people to be the ruler over their own life with my, you know, stage name Empress. It's basically just, I, I created this whole world where I could be all of the things that I, I have been in the past without the labels where I could actually create a space where I didn't have to just be a ballerina on Broadway or a Broadway star in the ballet, or, you know, everyone always wants to put a label on you. So for me, it was just to be the ruler over my own life, to actually build my own crown, coronate myself. And, you know, cause my whole career really was always waiting for somebody else to realize my worth. And, and so to be able to do that on my own has been the most, in, you know, empowering experience as an artist and as a woman and as a human, you know, been very, very rewarding. So a little, just, I'll give you the, the short story. I grew up in a small town called Lake Tahoe, California. There's very little dance, arts, performing arts in general. There's very little of that. And there's not very much of that in my family, to be honest. I didn't have like a role model. I was the oldest. So um, my mom and dad never danced. My dad plays the drums, but no one ever played the piano. No one was an actress or a singer. No one, I didn't sing happy birthday in front of my family growing up. I mean, it was none of that really. And somehow at the ripe age of six or seven, my mom asked me to do a, just a fun little project. And she said, let's write down our dreams and goals. And I was seven. And I remember being very concise. And I don't know how I knew this, but I wrote it down. I want to be a ballerina. I want to be an actress and I want to be a singer. Those are, that's it. My mom still has that little piece of paper where I said, here you go, mom. This is what I want to be when I grow up. And I think that was the beginning, um, you know, of everything for me. It was like seeing this target and then always knowing what direction I was moving towards. And everything kind of fell into place. You know, you really have to, to believe in something upstairs, you know, like with the, the stars lining up for everything to happen, because there's really no reason for me to have been in a ballet company at, at the age of 16, no less, you know, as the youngest and one of the youngest in the history of San Francisco ballet from having very little training. I mean, my, my dance teachers, I, they all taught me a lot, but there's really, there's, you know, there's usually a formula of getting into a ballet company and I didn't do any of those things. Um, so, you know, you have to trust that, that there's a greater good that oversees everything for sure. And I just kind of, I knew what I wanted and everything else kind of started falling into place. And then when you're dreaming as a kid, it's very vague. You kind of, I want to be a ballerina. And then as you grow up a little bit, you go, Oh, I want to be in San Francisco ballet. And then you go, oh, I want to join the company at the age of 16. Oh, and you start getting closer and closer to your target and it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. So for me, I had a, an amazing career as an artist and now I get to do all of the above in one place. And that is Empress. And that is being an artist. <laughs> well, that's, that's wonderful. It's a terrific story. But it sounds like you, in some ways, started out like a lot of us at six or seven. A lot of girls might think in terms of being an actress or singer or so on. A lot of guys, at least in my time, would think about being a baseball player, different athlete and so on. Relatively few follow that dream through. If you had to identify whether it was something internal to you or a type of mentors or the type of family or what do you think contributed to 
being one of the minority that that yeah. actually maintained that dream and succeeded? That's a great question. I would say that I was always, and I told this to my husband the other day, I said, I always knew who I was and what I was going to be able to do. And I, I feel like my entire life I've had to block out all the noise, you know, people saying, you're never going to do that. No, that's not what you do. Da, da, da. I, I always knew that I could do something. And, and if I really put energy into it, you know, it's like when you become good at anything, there's a formula involved. It usually requires a lot of time and practice mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's a formula and it's personal. So everybody has their own formula of how to be successful at one thing. I mean, that could be cooking, um, that could be, you know, sewing, that could be dancing, that could be singing, anything. So for me, I got really good at ballet and I got, I focused, I tried really hard. I, I, you know, when I was dancing, I was dancing. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was just doing one thing at a time. And when I, when I got really good at that, it became this formula that I kind of just apply to anything. It's like multiplying anything by one is going to get what you want. Right. So that one was what I figured out pretty young. Oh, if I practice and I work really hard and I focus then I could be good at anything. And, and so I think for me, kind of cutting out the noise of people telling you, you can't do something because I always did it. And they'd always be surprised. Oh, wow, that's so impressive. You know, I'd be like, no, I, I always knew I was going to do it. I just didn't listen to you tell me I couldn't do it. And I knew the formula of how to be successful. And I applied that to this. And I was telling my manager um, the other day, I was telling him and her, uh, I can do all of these things. I don't do them all at one time. I do one thing at a time. And then, you know, you become really good at one thing. Then you can move on to the next thing and just apply the same amount of discipline and energy and time into that next thing. And so for me, you know, having this amazing transition from ballet to Broadway and then Broadway to singing and now singing to doing all kinds of things. It's like, I just take the one thing that I learned as a kid and I just apply that to everything I do one thing at a time, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, can be very helpful to some of the listeners who are pursuing their own goals, that kind of this purpose and sticking with it and, you know, really being committed to it is, is something that sometimes is very difficult for a lot of people. What about, I, I shared with you that, that my wife was a dancer and so uh, cool. yeah, she, she was. Once, uh, every dancer, by the way, we all have this understanding because it's such a hard career. It really, I mean, it's, it's just physically demanding. It's mentally exhausting. You know, there's so much almost, I, I don't want to say abuse, but there is, it's an old world and they don't treat you the same way as, as uh, <laughs> it's, it's very difficult. Um, and I have a lot of friends who are in the military who also have said, wow, training is very similar to ballet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is, it's very militant and every dancer kind of knows there's a knowing, you know, where, where you kind of just get the nod of like, I, I know, you know what I know. <laughs> so hat off to your wife, you know? Yeah, so I've heard some of those same stories, but I know, for example, uh, one of the things that, that was helpful to her was the fact that um, her family was quite supportive. And I know that uh, for every 
potential star whose family is supportive, there may be 10 or 15 or 20 others who will say, you can't do this. Nobody, you know, really succeeds in this field. And that becomes kind of a, a prophecy because if yeah. you grow up knowing you can't succeed, you you probably won't. Was Was your family supportive too? Yes super supportive. But I do want to point out, so my whole family was always really supportive. They'd, they'd say, dream big all the time. I, I would add to that nowadays and say, ask yourself if you're dreaming big enough, because when you really believe that you can do anything, the only thing that's stopping you from, from really getting past whatever that target is, once you hit that target, you need to ask yourself, Am I dreaming big enough? Because there's always room to, you know, identify new dreams and, and target goals and stuff. But I do want to point out that there were times where I didn't hear that they weren't supportive. So again, blocking out that noise, there were times because um, I moved away at the age of 13, almost 14, um, to study and train with San Francisco Ballet. And my parents let me go because they knew that if they kept me home, I was going to be kind of like a bird in a cage. And, and they knew I needed to spread my wings and go. But what I didn't know is that they always thought I would have to come home. And so they would look like these heroes because they let me go. And they always said, you know, sweetheart, you can come home anytime. You know, if this is too hard, you can always come home. And it felt really good for me because I always felt like, you know, I have I have something to fall back on, which makes me take more risks, which is, you know, a wonderful thing to have a supportive family. But what I didn't really hear as a kid was come home. Like, we don't want you to leave us kind of thing. And not that they weren't being supportive, but they really never thought that I would make it because no one really did. You know, it's just like, I didn't have any of the training these other kids had from the ripe age of like four years old. And, you know, I wasn't chosen by my country to be a ballerina. You know, it's like there's countries that literally will choose you because you have the right body type and your family has the right body type. And then they, they're they like, OK, you're going to be a ballerina like this is your life. Whereas in America, we're like, I love dancing. And then it's like a winning a lottery when you get into a ballet company. <laughs> but so it was funny because I just block out noise and and sometimes it, it hits me later that the support that I thought I was getting, you know, might have might have been a little bit more of a naysay than than it was. And so I always just I think I I have this thing called loser's amnesia where I just don't remember the bad things. And there's all kinds of tough times that I just choose to not focus on. I always focus on the positives. And I think that has really saved me in the performing arts industry. <laughs> I don't think I could have lasted 11 years without that positive outlook. It's almost like just um, absorbing the negative and just turning it directly into positive, like lemons into lemonade, you know, and just always, that was always, I think, my um, internal mechanism <laughs> of, of any negativity. <laughs> Yeah, and as I said, I'm a positive psychologist, so uh, I'm really Love happy that. to hear that. But this this reminds me of something. One of the, the first times I noticed you was on a YouTube presentation that you made about dreaming. I mean, I've seen <laughs> your work in dance, but so first of all, I was a little not surprised because I, I knew my, my wife can speak well, uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't think too much about ballerinas being so 
self-assured in their their voice and so on. But the message that you had about, I think you had 10 steps with respect to dreaming. I'm not going to make you do uh, uh, a memory <laughs> trick and, and recall that. But can you tell us, you know, I, I think this is, would be very practical for a lot of our listeners at whatever age who may still want to accomplish some things that, that they haven't yet. And what, what are some things that you've learn that you can share with others about continuing about dreaming. Dream. Yeah. Well, first was to just dream period. I mean, if you don't have anything look, to look forward to life is just not as bright and, and exciting. And so just taking the time to dream, uh, is number one. I mean, just, just that number two is ask yourself if you're dreaming big enough in every day. I mean, this is a daily occurrence for me. It's like, what, what is my intention? You know, what's the dream look like? Has that changed? Has it evolved? Because it, it needs to evolve. If you just, you know, if I had been seven and just said, I just want to be a ballerina, you know, there was a day I remember where I was a ballerina and I wasn't happy anymore. And I, I was sitting on this beautiful opera house stage where I'd always dreamed of being, and I had gotten injured and just in a lot of pain. And I just felt like, well, this isn't what I dreamed of when I was seven. So you know what I mean? If I had just stayed with that one little dream of being just plain old ballerina, then I would become the ballerina and there's then what, you know, so the evolution has to happen. So ask yourself if you're dreaming big enough. And then when you can't do it by yourself. So there's people in your life that you can use as people to guide you. I mean, you have to ask for help. <laughs> I was very brave when I came into the ballet world and Broadway and now music, I am never afraid to ask for help and guidance. I could never have done what I've done if I didn't ask for it. Cause the thing that, that they don't tell you, especially in the ballet, that once you get hired, no one's really there as a teacher anymore. You're an artist. And so your, your evolution changes. You don't try and get better as a dancer. You're already a great dancer you're trying to become an artist and no one is really there to focus on just you and guide you along. So you actually have to become your own advocate and ask for, for guidance from people that you trust or admire. They don't always want to help you, but you have to ask and you will never know if you don't ask. <laughs> so that's something that I um, am very grateful for. I don't know, the 10 steps I I could go on and on about about dreaming. I actually don't remember all of the 10 steps if I don't have it right in front of me because I remember writing them out. But I'm sure I said some brilliant things in that. <laughs> well, I, I will refer our audience to your YouTube video <laughs> that, so that outlines yeah, it. Don't but, remember all the 10 steps, so we'll have to definitely send them that way. <laughs> yeah, they are impressive, though. But I'm wondering, uh, among the, the things I've seen are YouTube videos of you dancing. You're obviously young enough, fit enough, attractive enough to have continued to be a ballerina, certainly a, an actress, too. What kind of contributed to your kind of evolving and transitioning in a, oh, in a new this direction. Is a fun story. I'm so glad you brought this up. It was um, the ballet had a random performance of West Side Story Suite, where I got the opening night. I was the, um, the lead as Anita, which is played by Rita Moreno in the movie. 
And it's a short and condensed version of West Side Story. And they had had the entire company audition to sing. And no one in the ballet world makes noise. So very uncomfortable for everyone. <laughs> there were a lot of tears. And it was horrifying to break your silence as a, as a singer. So I ended up getting opening night. And oh, I was so nervous. I'll never forget. Because breaking your silence in front of 3,500 people when you've never sung happy birthday to your family was horrifying. And it was kind of like walking the plank. There's no going back. I go on stage. I sing. It was so scary. And then the roar came and it was this incredible. You don't hear that. It's usually like a little golf clap in the ballet. It was like a rock concert. And I remember just like, this is cool. I, I, I like this. You know, It's a very exciting time in my life. Um, I got this crazy standing ovation, whereas my parents, it was a sold out show and they couldn't get tickets. We got the last two tickets in the house and they were on opposite sides of the theater and they didn't tell anyone around them that I was their daughter until I got the standing ovation. They're like, oh, that's my daughter. (laughs) And that night, the director for An American Paris was sitting in the audience. American in Paris didn't open on Broadway for nine years. So it was In this, you know, when they were casting the show, they needed ballerinas who could sing. This was eight years later after this opening night for West Side Story. He remembered my performance of West Side Story and hired me in American in Paris. And that was how I transitioned onto Broadway. So for all the listeners out there, you never know what today, how today will change your future. So putting, you know, I always say treat everyone with respect, no matter who they are, no matter if you don't really like them, just always with respect because you don't know how they might affect your future as well. And you put every day or use every day to prepare yourself for a bright future. If you have a goal and a dream, you don't know how the stars will align to make that happen. And, you know, every day is an opportunity to create to manifest your dreams. That is it's a wonderful story. So what do you what do you do every day nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, if I told you, you'd probably get just tired because I do so many things. But now, so I'm kind of doing everyone's job right now in, in my own world. Like um, not everyone's job because there is no one, but I'm doing a lot of jobs. So I'm I'm songwriting, I'm I'm singing, I'm writing a book, I'm editing a video, a music video, I'm building a website, I make sure that my music is getting into all the right channels. I'm constantly creating, essentially. And and it's never exhausting because it's all my creativity and it just almost um feeds on itself. So when I think I'm I'm out of ideas or you know if I worry about that, it's just all I have to do is get into the process of creating. And then they all, it just keeps coming. It's amazing. It's this endless source of creativity that feeds off of itself. (laughs) Really inspirational and a little exhausting to hear. Yeah, it is. It's exhausting. Um, I think I, I don't share what I do (laughs) with very many people. So you're one of the few, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do to stay in shape, Prison? You know, actually, I just, I released a video Uh, recently, because I've been getting that question a lot, especially with the pandemic, I created a five minute workout, only five minutes, but it's a total body workout. And it's really incredible. Um, But when I was dancing professionally, I was pretty much working out for a living. 
but I was getting injured a lot over the years. And, and I realized it was because I wasn't doing any cross training. And so I only ever gave myself a few minutes to work out. So how was I supposed to do a total body workout in five minutes? So it took me a few years, but I developed this workout and I just released it called the Vixen workout. And it goes along with one of my songs that we remixed to make sure that it was a five minute song. (laughs) And so we just released that and it's an amazing workout. And so that's how I've been staying in shape because I really, you know, a lot of my work now is sitting. So it's been quite a change for me from going from, you know, almost 12 hours of dancing a day to sitting for 12 hours a day. So five minute workout. And then I take a walk every day. Okay, I could hear a lot of the listeners' ears perk up with the idea of a five-minute workout. So before we quit, we'll get all that information for the show yes. notes because that really uh, sounds like that. that well, yeah, and you don't home. need any weights. You use your own resistance and you don't have to be in a workout room. You don't need very much space. So it's really, it's the best workout. You could do it on a phone call, you know, <laughs> if they can't see you, of course, if you're not on a Zoom. That's even better. You know. Yeah. You don't need all this equipment. That's terrific. One of the things, though, that you haven't mentioned, I understand that you have a record label or a starting one to support women in music. A couple of thoughts. One, while I know that there are a lot of people who can identify more people in the music world than than I can, the fact is that, you know, when I start thinking about uh, singers, just generally, male or female, I mean, among the first names would come up would be Lady Gaga, Beyonce, and Katy Perry and stuff. I'm, I'm just wondering, number one, why a record label for, for women? I, you know, I'm a yeah. big supporter of women and other causes and stuff like that. But I thought that this is one area. What, why, do, why do you need a separate label? Right. Well, here's the thing. So it's a male dominated industry in in a lot of ways. So we hear of the, you know, the one percenters, Lady Gaga and Beyonce and Katy Perry, and there's a lot of women in the, in the industry. And I just find that there's way more men in general. And it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just the support system is not quite there because it's harder for women to succeed. We're judged on so many more things than men are. You know, it's the looks, it's the, you know, if we have one bad performance, they focus on that forever. You know, there's so many things. But I think the the one thing that, you know, of course, I asked myself when I started in the industry, you know, how can I dream bigger? And that was creating a record label, which I call Stardust World. And it's basically finding that empowerment doesn't come from the opposite sex. It comes from within. And I think that for female empowerment, and especially with this whole movement of, you know, the Me Too and Time's Up, women have to support each other in order to have equality. Because I think that's the one thing that is lacking in my industries. And I say it with an S, because in the ballet, Broadway, and singing world, women sometimes think that there's not enough room for everyone to succeed. And that's where I thought that's wrong because I think there is enough room for all of us to succeed. And we have to be the, we have to initiate support and the encouragement within women, right? Cause women in the ballet, you're going after a part and there's one role, let's say it's Juliet and there's 
500 people that want that one role. And that means that 499 of them are not going to get that part. And so for them, it's somehow internally ingrained in women that there's not enough room for everybody to succeed. Whereas in the music industry, there is. And I think that that empowerment comes from within statement is really important. I just of course, always ask myself, am I dreaming big enough? And that's not to to say that men are not important. It's just that women, you know, men are very supportive of each other. And there's the boys clubs and there you don't see the women supporting each other as much as I think that we can. All right. Thanks, Empress, for straightening me out on this thing. I uh, <laughs> tend to usually ask at least one dumb question at each interview. So it's <laughs> Nice to know when it occurs. I don't so, uh, any questions dumb, Ron. That's hilarious, though. Thank well, you for asking it. I appreciate it. Well, thanks very much. I'd like to ask you uh, for as a uh, well, now a grandparent, but oh. if for parents out there or grandparents who are interested in helping kids pursue their dreams or to dream in ways that are big and realistic, you know, is there anything that uh, you can tell them to kind of help people to, as a psychologist, I see so many people who seem to have a lot going for them who just feel unhappy, depressed, and so on. You can kind of tell that they haven't learned to appreciate how awesome they are. And yeah. I'm wondering what advice would you have for, for parents? Well, well, first, firstly, I just want to say um, there's I have a good friend who's had just a lot of hardship in her life, and yet she chooses to be happy. And she always says happiness is a choice. And, you know, I have a lot of friends who have suffered from mental health issues and, and you know, suffer from depression and stuff. And they've all told me that that statement has changed their life. And so I just think that it's important to always share that happiness is a choice. I could have focused on a lot of horrible things that have happened to me in my career. And I choose to focus on the positives. And by focusing on those positives, I've attracted so many more positive things into my life because I'm aware of them. You know, sometimes positive things hit people over the head and they will not even pay attention to it. And it just makes me really, you know, sad that they don't see how incredible there's so many wonderful things that happen in the world. And, you know, if we're not aware of them, then it, it's just, it's a, it's not a, a great place to be. So I always say happiness is a choice and, you know, and I think that's really important. And as far as, as people helping younger children to grow and, and to be the best versions of themselves, I say support them and encourage them and love them so that they feel that unconditional love and support. Because when when I felt that from my family, I felt like I could take risks because I always had them just to fall back on. And when you have something to fall back on, you you don't normally need that. You know, like I never fell back on my parents. I knew that they were there. I knew that they were supportive and encouraging. And they said, you can do anything you want, you know, anything you want. I mean, within reason, of course, you know, like you can't have chocolate cake before you go to bed because that's going to keep you up all night. But, um, you know, do for their best interest. And and um, they encouraged us to think the best thing my mom ever did for us. And she told my my husband, because my brother and sister are also very um, accomplished. They're professional athletes. And my, my husband asked when we first joined the families, what did you do? You know, to my mom, what did you do? And she said, I let them get really good at one thing. And then they had that formula and, and they could just 
you know, if they if they have the confidence as well to try things because they're good at something else, they're secure about one thing in their life. That could be spelling. It could be brushing your teeth really well. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's like you do something really, really well. You tell that kid how great they are at that thing. And then they want to be good at other things. You know, your ego gets involved. So, <laughs> you know, then they know the formula and they can apply that formula to anything and be good at anything. That's a really terrific concept. And it's it's not really widely held, but the, the knowledge that if you can be really good and successful at something, then you're you're in a different category mm-hmm. than, than somebody who doesn't think that that they're good at, at, at anything. anything. And I know it's, it's really sad because you can always find something that you're good at. And then your whole life goes from there, you know, and it's just, um, it's a great little, little thing that my mom gave us, you know, a gift. Yeah. And there's good science to support it. That if you, you're happy and project happiness, sort of a, a, a oh, yeah. cascade of happy things and good friendships and so on, you know, accrue toward you. And, uh, yep. Uh, that's my whole life. I mean, I really, I think all of the opportunities that I've had were, were from that place of just being really grateful. And then the, you know, I'm, I'm constantly grateful for everything. So the more I'm grateful, the more I receive, the more I give, the more I receive back, you know, it's just, it's a great little cycle to be. And it was a hard one for me to learn because there was a time in my life where, you know, I always think of the spiral. I was on the wrong end of the spiral and it was, you know, I, I was injured all the time. I got sick. I had concussions. I gained weight. I was doing, you know, it was just like not an easy time in life. I got fired for, for not fitting in with the other girls, which means that you're fat. You know, <laughs> they don't say that word. The F word is what we call it. But, um, you know, I didn't fit in to my costumes essentially. And I was, I was on that downward spiral. And when I realized that I was in control of it, it was really frustrating. Cause I was like, well, why would I put myself on this downward spiral? You know? And then someone just said, it's like, you're sitting in a boat paddling upstream, just turn the boat around and just go with the flow. And that, that was when I kind of went on the the good spiral. I just flipped the direction and all of a sudden it was like, oh, so if I'm positive and I love myself, then all of the actions that I take are going to project that, you know? So it was definitely a tough lesson to learn that you are in control, but once you do learn, then it's just really fun to go, oh, wow, I'm in control of my life. Great. (laughs) And I'm sure the sense of pride that you must feel on a regular basis kind of as its own reward as you move forward and take on. Yeah, and I appreciate challenges. where I came from, of course, but, you know, I, I try to look forward, not back. So I think the last question that I have in our much too short amount of time before we get into your contact information and what you've got out there, but the last question is, would you apply the same principles to there's, a, while we have a broad range of listeners age-wise, there are a certain percentage of listeners who were drawn to the podcast from my book about growing older with enthusiasm. A certain percentage, you know, they've had some some dreams that didn't come true. They may not have advanced to where they wanted to on the job. The marriage may not have been, you know, ideal um, yeah. and, and made some other bad choices financially or so on. Would you apply the same principles to somebody who 
wherever they are in the lifespan that, you know, and even if they're starting over and if they have some history of some documented negative things happening to them. Yes. And I want to point out, I never, if I focused on these things, you know, my, I would be very miserable, but as a ballerina, I never made it to the level that I wanted to make it to. I danced a couple roles, but I didn't, that I, my dream roles, but I didn't get the title that I really wanted. When I went to Broadway, I wasn't the opening night cast of the lead role, but opening night I was in the ensemble. And I remember thinking, I really want to do the lead role. Like it was opening night and it's fresh, but I really just knew I wanted to do that. So I spent a year in acting training just to prepare for one audition and I got the part and I ended up getting to do the role, but I wasn't the lead on opening night at the Tony Awards, all that fun stuff. So, you know, if I'd focused on that, I would have been miserable, but now I focus on the fact that, okay, I did the role and I earned it in my own way. You know, I've never really achieved the success that I really want to achieve. And yet I still am successful. And so you have to be grateful for every little thing that you get. And, and, you know, my husband and I get along great and I'm really grateful for that, but there's tough days too, with you, you get in a fight about um, doing dishes and you're like, why are we doing this? You know? And then, and then the next day you're fine, but it's, it's all about focusing on the positives in life. And, and if you can do that, then you will never fail. And, and I'm not talking about false positives. I'm talking about really just trying to be grateful for taking an inhale and an exhale, you know, just as simple as that being grateful that you you're having time with your loved ones or whatever it is, just being grateful for the level that you are now will help you because I I have a lot of very successful friends and they all told me if I wasn't happy there, I'm not going to get more happy here. You know, so the, the successful people in my life have always taken me aside and said, it's not better at the top. It's worse up here. So if you're not happy, then you're never going to find happiness. And that's been my experience. And so I'm always trying to find that internal positivity and like transform any negative thoughts into positive thoughts as soon as possible, because otherwise you will never succeed. And and you hear a lot of stories, you know, now, now that I'm working in the pop music world of these very successful artists to you and I, but they don't know it and, the, and they're miserable. And I, ju- I was literally just told this last week, very big deal manager in the music industry said, you know, I work with the most famous people in the world and they're not happy. And so for me, I just find, you know, if you're not happy at the low end, or if you're, if you're poor, if you're not appreciative of what you have, if you're rich, you're still not going to appreciate what you have. So you have to really, you are in control over your life. And it's really important to remember that your mind is the steering wheel and you actually have control over which direction you want to take that. And so that is very important, I think, for everyone. (laughs) It's good for me to hear it too. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned it. It reminds me of the teachings of of a friend of mine, neuropsychologist Rick Hansen, who has this concept of taking in the good, the notion of really, it doesn't have to be dramatically, you know, something great, but the fact that you got someplace on time, the fact that you traveled you know, for an hour and no cars hit you, uh, things of this nature to really be able to, you know, appreciate the small things. And then it makes it so much easier to, you know, to appreciate the big things as opposed to, geez, uh, 
you know, I had to wait 15 minutes before the waiter or waitress took my order or things of that nature. Right. Even just being stuck in traffic, you go, okay, well, you know, if I believe in some sort of divine guidance, then this may have, I know that I'm in the right place at the right time, because, you know, maybe if I had left five minutes earlier, we've all seen it where a car accident or someone, you know, a robbery happens randomly, and you were just one minute behind that, whatever happened. I mean, there's so many instances like that, where you just kind of have to understand that we are in the right place at the right time. And if you are late for work, it might have been because you didn't get in that car accident, you know, and and there's there's so many things that you have to be grateful for and just have this sense of, okay, somebody's got my back. <laughs> you know, there's someone up there that that has the the foresight that I know that I'm going to get to this end goal and be very happy all the time. And anyway, I could go on and on. So I'm gonna stop myself. <laughs> well, Empress, your your history has been very interesting. And your words have really been inspiring. I this has been, you know, such a fun interview and such an educational interview for me. And uh I I we gotta get you back at some point because I yeah, have I'd a love to. I'm always questions. here for you. Yeah. That's terrific. Uh but before we quit, why don't you tell people what you've got out there in the world that you can share with them yeah. and how they can access it and be in touch. I love it. So everything is on my website, which is www.empress-music.com. You'll find everything there. But if you want to stream my music, I'm on all streaming platforms under Empress. And my um, favorite of all the um, social media platforms these days is Instagram and Facebook. And so that is empress.music. And you can find me there. And I will be sharing all of the latest and greatest um, on my website and those social media platforms. Wonderful. And that is the five minute workout there too, or is that yes, the five minute workouts there? And you know, it's on my YouTube as well. You can subscribe to Empress.music there. And it's it's amazing. This workout has changed my life, and I hope that it helps uh, you know, a lot of people. It's hard, but it's only five minutes. Everybody can get through five minutes. Great. <laughs> Great. That's that's so comforting to know that when, yeah. when there's an end in sight, almost anything is is tolerable. So that's exactly. really and good I chop, to... I chop it into one minute increments. So it's only one minute at a time. You just <laughs> get through that minute and then the next minute. Really looking forward to it. So and all of this for those of you who are listening to this in your car, it'll all be in the show notes. So, you know, it'll be there permanently. You don't need to stop and put things in your phone or stuff like that. But Perfect. again, I know everybody listening thanks me for being so wise to have a guest like you on Empress. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me, Ron. This is my pleasure. Well, I want to wish you the very best of success in all that you're doing today and all the many things that I know you'll be doing that are different in the future. So keep us informed Thank about you. it. And Again, got to have you back at some point. So thanks very, very much. So this has been Rejuvenaging with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. Remember, our website is the Mental Health Gym. Please visit it frequently. Also, if uh, you haven't picked up 
copy of Rejuvenaging, the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm in one of its various formats. Please visit Amazon and get your copy. You have all the information about Empress's contact information. Follow her. You'll not only be entertained, see some great music and dance, but also learn quite a bit and become a little more fit in five minutes a day. That sounds really great. So until then, looking forward to seeing you again next week when we'll have another interesting guest. In the meantime, since we're still in the pandemic, please take care of yourselves, stay safe, and look forward to seeing you next time.